Radios KPFK in Los Angeles. This is your broadcast. As heard on 90.7 FM in LA, 91.7 FM KYAQ on the beautiful Oregon Central Coast, 93 FM WLRI in lovely Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Coast to coast and around the globe on kpfk.org, on the uh, Stitcher app, the TuneIn app, on iTunes, where you can download our program anytime. Streaming on the Progressive Voices channel, on Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, other fine affiliates in parts unknown. And, of course, Radio Sputnik, five days a week. This is your broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me, if not you, if not Desi Doyen. Des, am I a swell fellow? Do, am I, do you think I'm a swell fellow? Of course you are. Yeah, well done. Uh, this is your broadcast. Your, your uh, what is this? Uh, your uh, action-packed adventure. We like to call the broadcast, featuring from time to time Desi Doyen. Uh, who knows which side on which side her bread is buttered? <laughs> uh, maybe. Uh, hey, Des, how hey. are you? Good, thank you. Our producer, of course, uh, joining us uh, is the Jeb Bush campaign. Bring out your dead. Oh, man. Is the Jeb Bush campaign finally dead in the water? And uh, and with the first votes to be cast in the 2016 election, still more than uh, 100 days away at this point, I believe. Why are the media declaring any campaign dead at this point? Drives me crazy. We will talk about that. And uh, speaking of dead or maybe in this case, walking dead, I don't know. Uh, the uh, the the RNC, the Republican National Committee and the 2016 Republican candidates. They now seem to be eating themselves. Is that uh, too grotesque of an analogy? At the, well, you know what? It is uh, Halloween. So I guess we can talk about the walking dead and Republicans eating themselves. Oh, I also like the idea of a circular firing squad. That's pretty good. Well, of course you do. But of course, you know, know, like why. with Halloween, yes, with zombies, yeah. you know, you could think about that. Yeah. All right. Um, and so actually much more, much more on that and uh, and and more in a moment. Uh, and also, Desi, uh, speaking of circular firing squads and zombies, uh, we will have our latest Green News report, which we did not have time for uh, on our previous show, we were covering the uh, the debate, the CNBC debate, the now infamous CNBC debate, uh, which which everybody seems like uh, universally hated, but they can't figure out why they hated it. Everybody's got a different reason for having hated the uh, the CNBC uh, Republican debate on uh, on Wednesday night. 
Uh, anyway, we covered that yesterday, so we didn't have time for our, our Green News report, which actually has to do with the Republican CNBC debate and the fact that, well, climate change issues are actually appearing now more and more in presidential debates. They're actually being asked about, uh, the candidates are actually being asked about climate change. That did not happen back in, in 2012 at all. It's actually happening now a little bit. Yes, there's only been, like, you know, one question per debate so far. But that's still more, like you said, than was in 2012. So, you know, they're sort of folding it into energy questions as well. But but even then, they're only asking one question, and maybe somebody will mention it in passing. One question, and then they don't do any follow-ups when these guys, particularly the Republicans, decide to not answer the question and answer a totally different question entirely that has to do with energy or something else. Right. Uh, But actually, George Pataki actually did... Did uh, speak to it and uh, condemned his own party for ignoring science. So good for George Pataki. Of course, that was in the the kitty debate. The that uh, took place in the middle of the day that nobody watched. Um, but you know, good good for him doing that. Good for him uh, coming out against his own party and their appalling uh, new. And it really is new. Their appalling new attack on science that we've seen from them over the last few years. Uh, too bad George Pataki wasn't in the regular debate where he could be seen by more people. But you know what? Maybe they'll have a new structure entirely for the debates from here on out. We'll see, because that's what the Republicans are now fighting about. We'll get to that in a moment. We've got some uh, breaking news as we go to air today. Um, a small number, as AP calls it, and as the White House tried to uh, describe it, a small number of U.S. Special Operations Forces will now be sent to northern Syria to work with local troops in the fight against Islamic State militants, the White House announced on Friday. This would be the first time that Americans will be deployed openly on the ground in the country. I love how they call it openly. Yeah, there have been they have been on the ground. But now they're now we are actually saying it out loud in advance. President Barack Obama ordered the deployment of what the White House currently describes as fewer than 50 commandos. They will be there to help coalition forces coordinate with local troops, according to White House spokesman Josh Earnest. Uh, He insisted that the role should not be described as a combat mission. He said the forces would train, advise, and assist local forces in an intensification of the U.S. effort against the Islamic State group, ISIS. Uh, he, uh, Ernest, did acknowledge, however, that forces would be taking risks in a dangerous part of the world where the U.S. is also conducting airstrikes. Ernest said there is no denying the serious risks they will be facing, but they are not in a combat mission. Uh, tell that to the uh, American uh, Special Forces uh, uh, fellow who was uh, killed, was it a week or two ago, in that mission, that rescue mission. Uh, trying to rescue some ISIS hostages, uh, and they did rescue them successfully, but we we lost another uh, a U.S. troop, the first U.S. troop in Iraq to be lost since uh, since 2011, I believe, as combat, no matter what they want to call it, be, it continues to intensify in the Middle East. Officials said the U.S. troops would go into Syria over the next few weeks and likely spend less than two months there at a time, Senior defense official did not rule out, who did not wish to be named, by the way, uh, did not rule out adjusting 
or expanding the U.S. effort as conditions in Syria changes. Of course it's going to expand. It always expands. How many different countries are we now fighting in? Do we have uh, troops either in the ground or running drone attacks? And frankly, what bothers me the most here, uh, I suppose, is not that we are out in so many countries exercising such military might and power across the globe, but the fact that we're doing it with, with, with no authority, really, from Congress, a Congress who refuses to debate any of this, a Congress who you know, loves to go in, or at least Republicans who love to go in, criticize the, uh, uh, the president, saying that he's weakening our military and everything else, and he, he, he's leading from behind, and yet they are unwilling to go as the Constitution that these Republicans pretend to love, as the Constitution uh, requires the Congress to go out and declare war, the Congress to, de to be debating this issue. These issues, I should say, instead of a instead of a president, a commander in chief who is uh, running wars willy nilly all around the world with with no approval from Congress. And, you know, I'm, I'm sort of drawn here because, uh, you know, there is a need for some action to be taken, whether it's military or otherwise. But the fact that you have one single branch of government, whether it's whether it's being run by Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton or Jeb Bush, or George W. Bush, one branch uh, of, of, of government making these life-or-death decisions and spending billions, actually trillions, in the process without the Congress carrying out their constitutional role. That drives me crazy. At least when we went into Iraq under false pretenses, uh, the Congress made that decision. The Congress, uh, for good or ill, I would argue ill. The Congress uh, misled or otherwise, I would argue misled. Uh, at least they came out, had a debate, and they made the decision. And there was some accountability for that horrible decision. Now, it's just up to whoever happens to be in the White House. Because Congress is a bunch of cowards, frankly. Anyway, uh, one senior official said that a first group of forces, possibly uh, a couple of dozen, will go relatively soon into Syria to assess the situation and determine which groups on the ground the U.S. can best work with, including moderate Kurdish and Arab fighters. So we are now sending American troops on the ground, boots on the ground into Syria and we don't yet even know who we are going to work with, who we are going to support. I, it, it, it's kind of insane. More special forces operations, uh, operations forces would, would follow after these couple of dozen, uh, after the uh, U.S. better determine what the needs are, according to AP. Those forces will all come from the U.S., will advise and assist the Syrian rebels from headquarters locations there. So they'll assist the Syrian rebels once we can figure out who the Syrian rebels are and who they aren't and who are uh, the ISIS-related Syrian rebels and who aren't. Meantime, Russia is now uh, taking a lot of uh, uh, aggressive uh, military attacks in Syria, working with the Syrian government. 
uh, airstrikes and so forth, and a lot of them. And now we're going to have American boots on the ground there. I, I, and and apparently no coordination with Moscow over any of this. This follows the U.S. recently dropping 50 tons of ammunition to Arab groups fighting against ISIS. Uh, and, and, and of course, who knows when they're airdropping ammunition, who eventually ends up with that ammunition? U.S. officials made it clear that there is no plan now to coordinate with the Russians or tell Moscow where U.S. troops may be in Syria. So not only are we not coordinating with them, we're not even going to tell them where the U.S. troops are. With Moscow bombing along with the Syrian, uh, the Syrian government, claiming also to be going after ISIS as we are going after ISIS but, of course, Moscow is working with Syria, and Syria is against you know, anyone who is, is rebelling against their government. I mean, this is, a, this is oh, I think they call this a recipe for disaster. Uh, the U.S. said the troops would not uh, be near any locations being bombed by the Russians. But who knows where the Russians are going to be bombing? Uh, a senior official, a senior defense official, did not rule out the possibility of talking with Moscow. Oh, do you think? You think that would be a good idea? They, they did not rule out that possibility of talking with Moscow if, if it becomes necessary in order to guarantee the safety of the U.S. troops. If it becomes if necessary? If it becomes necessary. If? And all the while, uh, Congress is not even ringing in on this, not even having a conversation about it, not even debating it. Absolutely insane. Speaking of Congress and insane, uh, John Boehner, as of today, uh, John Boehner was all like... Today I settle all family business. There you go. Remember that from, uh, from The Godfather, Michael Corleone? Today I settle all family business. Well, that was what John Boehner uh, can successfully brag about now that he's got something to uh, brag about. Uh, he does seem to have settled all family business this week. Congressman Paul Ryan of Wisconsin has now been approved by a vote in the full U.S. House of Representatives on Thursday to become the 54th Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives. He received uh, the votes of 236 of the 435 members. Uh, he All he needed was 218 to get a majority. Uh, he only had received 200 votes in the Republican caucus nomination process earlier in the week, so there was some question of whether he would get to the 218. But the uh, the so-called Freedom Caucus, formerly the Tea Party Caucus, currently described as the conservative wing of the Republican Party, uh, they relented. They said that they were not going to support uh, Paul Ryan uh, many of them did not in the uh, in the uh, caucus vote in the caucus nomination process, but they ended up relenting and voting for Paul Ryan anyway, because Paul Ryan himself relented on his demands and uh, folded to the demands of many of those in the Freedom Caucus, so-called Tea Party Caucus, so-called conservatives. So we'll see now uh, if he if he now. If Paul Ryan now becomes a new target of the far right Tea Party Freedom Caucus conservative wing of the Republican Party. 
But at least he's in. At least we now have a new uh, Speaker of the House. It comes in time for uh, Boehner to step down, as he had uh, promised and or threatened, depending on how you look at it, at the end of October. Uh, and then on late Thursday night, he finished all family business. Late Thursday night, early Friday morning, the U.S. Senate gave final approval to a two-year budget deal that was previously passed in the U.S. House with a minority of Republicans voting in favor of that deal. Boehner had to rely on Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats to save his bacon one last time and pass this two-year budget deal. It was then passed by the U.S. Senate very early Friday morning. It was not filibustered by Kentucky Senator Rand Paul, Kentucky Senator and desperate presidential candidate Rand Paul, uh, who had promised to filibuster it. Nah, he didn't filibuster it after all. So the bipartisan two-year budget deal intended to end years of gridlock and frequent threats of government shutdowns, at least for the next two years anyway, now heads to President Barack Obama for his signature after it was hashed out between the, uh, between the White House and congressional leaders over the past week. And with that, the now former House Speaker John Boehner slips into ignominious history, having presided over several of the least productive and most divisive Congresses in U.S. history. Well done, sir. Well done. Today I settled all family business. Yes, you did. Uh, all right. Well, with that drama in the Republican Congress, uh, at least the Congressional Republican Congressional Caucus tamped down now for the moment. And it will be back. Oh, I promise you it will be back. The GOP now needs to find something or someone on who to blame their woes. Yes, seriously, because the fighting is now done for now in the House the circular firing squad in the Republican caucus is now finished for a while and it will be back. But now they've got to find someone else. They've got to find a new enemy. The Republican Party does not exist without enemies. Remember when the Cold War ended and suddenly we had Al Qaeda and then Al-Qaeda was on the run and uh, suddenly, oh, no, it's Putin. We've got to go after Putin again. And wait a minute. Now it's ISIS. Let's go after I They need an enemy. God forbid they should blame themselves at any time for having a, a governing philosophy or lack thereof that the American people reject by enormous numbers, at least when those Americans bother to actually come out and vote. So who to blame now? Who can the Republicans blame now for all of their domestic woes, especially now that they no longer have John Boehner to kick around, no longer have John Boehner to blame for their own failures? Well, take your pick. There are a lot of scapegoats. There are a lot of people up for the uh, running to be the uh, top Republican scapegoat of the week. So little time to make a name for yourself uh, and raise money on the national stage by blaming someone for your woes. We will talk about some of those scapegoats next, and I may even de defend, get ready for this, I may even defend Jeb Bush in the bargain. All of that and much more straight ahead on today's broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Stay tuned. <laughs> Thank you.
Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free broadcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us out today. Back to the broadcast. Uh, is that from Goodfellas? Desi Doyen? Is that the, they I use that? In, yeah. Uh, yes, they right? do. They, they do. Uh, and I don't know if you want to make that a theme that uh, we're we're talking about Godfather and Goodfellas uh, and the Republican Party here. But there you go. Have at it, Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com with you. Back with our broadcast. All right. Well, we. We, uh, we've been talking about the CNBC uh, GOP debate. We'll talk about a, a few more pieces that we didn't get to on our, uh, our previous uh, program and our analysis with uh, Heather Digby-Parton and John Tomasic uh, on a previous show. Um, but there's a, a boy, uh, this uh, seems to have been universally hated, this debate, the CNBC debate. And I think a lot of people... Uh, who hate it, uh, doth protest too much, to be frank. I think the Republican candidates uh, doth protest way too much. But because uh, the, there was reason, there was uh, some failure uh, by CNBC, by the moderators, this uh, whole uh, 30 seconds thing that they were holding them to, that they were not letting them uh, really you know, have exchanges and have it out over, well, whether they're policy ideas or any other. So there, there was plenty of reason to be critical of the entire affair. But not really the reasons that are being brought forward right now by the Republican Party and by the, uh, uh, the 2016 Republican candidates who are, are blaming the Republican Party for what happened. Josh Marshall writes, um, despite all our disagreements and polarization in this country, all seem to agree that the CNBC debate was a disaster. What's notable, though, is that no one seems to agree why it was so bad. Republicans, of course, are now in open revolt because of media bias. <laughs> Republicans say that the debate was a disaster because the moderators were too hard on the candidates, focused too little on substance, and made the debate a showcase of media bias. But, Josh Marshall at Talking Points Memo says, let's get real. The debate was co-hosted by the RNC, literally the Republican Party, and CNBC, which is essentially a niche niche news network for the investor class. We talked about this on the show yesterday uh, uh, with with Digby. That, I mean, uh, CNBC is farther to the right 
than Fox News in many ways. They are not, you know, they said this was about your dollars, your economy, whatever they claimed it was going to be. No, CNBC is about business. It has nothing to do with the middle class in America other than, you know, keeping the middle class down. But it, this is a, a, a niche network for the investor class, as, uh, as Josh says. He says, the upshot is this. If your own party partners with a right-leaning news network and the debate is still a media bias catastrophe, well, something is terribly wrong. He says, I would suggest that it's a party in an outrage, infinite feedback loop, which cannot get its footing without finding some outside force which is betraying it or holding it down or otherwise doing it wrong. It really is something like electing John Boehner, Speaker of the House, an establishment figure, but very much a down-the-line conservative, and then deciding he's simply an Obama-bot lapdog whose betrayals must end. The debate, Josh says, wasn't great, but in terms of unfairness to the candidates or media bias, the complaints about it are simply laughable. And I agree. The candidates uh, are now planning, the Republican candidates are now planning to meet over the weekend without the RNC, without the Republicans, to discuss their demands, their problems with the format of the debates up till now, and their demands for future debates. What are they going to uh, what are they going to do about it? Now, mind you, it's not just CNBC who they who they're, they're complaining about. They were complaining about uh, the, the Fox News uh, uh, journalists. And I'm putting that in air quotes. The Fox News journalists, uh, they, they complained about them as well. Uh, but you know what? It's it's Republicans and their old stalking horse media bias. Uh, and uh, Ted Cruz really kicked it all off. Uh, and then a bunch of others uh, followed. But here was Ted Cruz at that debate on Wednesday night. The questions that have been asked so far in this debate illustrate why the American people don't trust the media. This is not a cage match. And you look at the questions, Donald Trump, are you a comic book villain? Ben Carson, can you do math? John Kasich, will you insult two people over here? Marco Rubio, why don't you resign? Jeb Bush, why have your numbers fallen? How about talking about the substantive issues people care about? And of course, that got a huge round of applause because, you know, the Republicans love picking on the media. Of course they do. Uh, and, but it wasn't just Ted Cruz. There was many others as well. Here was uh, here was Marco Rubio. Uh, t Donald Trump had brought up a uh, question about the um, uh, super PACs and, and rightly, I think, called out the dangers of super PACs in this country. And now the influence that all of these uh, dark money donors have over the over the candidates. Easy for Trump to say, of course, because he is a self-financing uh, billionaire. But uh, but Marco Rubio picked up on that thought in order to, uh, yes, kick around both the media and Hillary Clinton while he's at it. The Democrats have the ultimate super PAC. It's called the mainstream media. Whoever single day. And I'll tell you why. Last week, Hillary Clinton went before a committee 
she admitted she had sent emails to her family saying, hey, this attack in Benghazi was caused by Al-Qaeda-like elements. She spent over a week telling the families of those victims and the American people that it was because of a video. And yet the mainstream media is going around saying it was the greatest week in Hillary Clinton's campaign. It was the week she got exposed as a liar. It was the week that she got exposed as a liar. She has her super PAC helping her out, the yeah. American mainstream media. Yeah, well, actually, uh, she was not exposed as a liar. Uh, she might be a liar, but uh, the, those 11 hours of testimony in the uh, Benghazi Select Committee did did nothing to uh, highlight her as a liar or anything else. But you know what? That's what the Republicans do. The Republicans go after the media and that's red meat and they love it and they love to pretend there's this huge liberal media that is so unfair to them that is so biased against them and of course even though tough questions were also asked in the uh, previous debates by fox news by cnn in the previous republican debates uh it's the cnbc debates that they're going after the network for of course they are, because it's CNBC, because it has NBC in its name. And not because of NBC News, but because of MSNBC. And this is the oldest. They have been doing this for years. Watch. Uh, take any two-minute selection of the Bill O'Reilly show, the O'Reilly Factor, that you like, and you will see him beating up on NBC News, pretending that they are some wildly liberal news organization out to get Fox News and him and everyone else. And, of course, NBC News is not. But that's the way that they get at MSNBC. And, by the way, MSNBC is also not some wildly left-wing uh, news organization, but they are a news organization that is often progressive, that is often proudly progressive, now, I'm not talking about the four hours every morning that uh, Joe Scarborough, the former Republican uh, co uh, congressman, runs with a bunch of right wingers each and every day. Uh, and I got I mean, it drives me crazy when I hear people make the false equivalence. Well, there's Republicans have Fox News and MSNBC. Democrats have MSNBC. Nonsense. When when Dennis Kucinich gets a four-hour morning show on Fox News, then maybe we can talk uh, about Fox and, and MSNBC being in any way similar. But even then, they are not. Because Fox News purposely goes out and lies about stuff. MSNBC, at least to my knowledge, doesn't. You may disagree with them. You may find them uh, more to the, let's call it, the left than you like. But they don't just make stuff up the way they do over on Fox News. But I digress. The uh, RNC goes after CNBC because, of course, liberal media bias. The liberal media bias of this far right wing investor station, business station, Wall Street, the Wall Street, the network that didn't do a damn thing to warn Americans about the uh, the global economic crash that they all knew was coming, that they all saw coming. They interview the very people who are, were responsible for that crash back in 2007 and 2008. They interview them every day. They protect them every day. These 
that CNBC, that CNBC is the far right wing. Uh, I'm sorry, is the far left wing liberal media that the Republicans now want to pretend was out to get them? Really? Yeah. Well, really. The Republican National Committee Chairman Reince Priebus told NBC News in a Friday letter that the committee, the RNC, will no longer partner with the network for the February Republican presidential debate. Don't get excited, Desi Doyen. That doesn't mean they're canceling the debate. Okay. Sorry. Too bad. They're going to have the debate. I was thinking, just, oh, yay, I know, one less debate. I know. But I no. Know. No, no. They're, they're going to have the debate, just not with NBC News. Uh, citing, yeah, I know I can hit to hear your excitement, citing uh, concerns over the uh, Wednesday night CNBC debate. Uh, Priebus wrote that the RNC cannot continue to work with uh, with NB- NBC for this debate on February 10th until the committee consults with the Republican campaigns, which are meeting to give their demands to the Republican Party. Is Reince Priebus the new John Boehner? I think he might be. Uh, we, uh, the letter from Priebus uh, to NBC says, We simply cannot continue with NBC without fully consulting our campaigns. The CNBC network is one of your media properties, and its handling of the debate was conducted in bad faith. Serious charge. Uh, it, and again, it might have been a crappy debate. It might have been poorly carried out, but bad faith? What evidence do they have that it was conducted in bad faith? That is, of course, ridiculous. Priebus goes on to say, We understand that NBC does not exercise full editorial control over CNBC's journalistic approach. However, the network is an arm of your organization, and we need to ensure that there is not a repeat performance. Priebus railed against the CNBC moderators. He said that they uh, made factual errors. Not sure what those factual errors are. That they asked, quote-unquote, offensive questions. He wrote, while debates are meant to include tough questions and contrast candidates' candidates' visions and policies for the future of America, CNBC moderators engaged in a series of gotcha questions, petty and mean-spirited in tone, designed to embarrass our candidates. What took place Wednesday night was not an attempt to give American, uh, the American people a greater understanding of our candidates' policies and ideas. It was meant to embarrass them. Really? Really, Reince? No, not really. He's just got to say what he's got to say. Why? Because he's got to now save his own bacon. They got John uh, Boehner's bacon out of Congress. Now Reince Priebus's head is up on a uh, on a pedestal, on a stick. Platter. I don't know how a platter. There you go. At least that's where they want it. Um, Mark uh, uh, Levin, Levine, Mark Levine. I think it's Mark Levine. Mark Levine. Oh, and this is a, a trigger warning to our friend Dr. Tucker. Uh, Dr., you may need to turn off your uh, your radio for about right wing uh, radio host coming uh, up. Coming up Hang uh, on. about one minute, just uh, by way of warning. All right, <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, Mark Levin, actually, it is Levin. Mark Levin, yeah, okay. they call him the great. Sean Hannity calls him the great one. Mark Levin, uh, he's sort of the uh, the the right wing radio hosts radio host. This is who they all listen to. People don't necessarily know him nationally. But they love uh, Mark Levin on the deep, 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 
far right. And when Mark Levin uh, says something, the other right wing hosts pick it up. And when the other right wing hosts pick it up, Fox News picks it up. And, and when then it Fox goes News into the echo up, chamber. There you go. Well, uh, Mark Levin now says it is time to get rid of Reince Priebus himself. But enough is enough. And I say that Reince Priebus should be fired over there at the Republican National Committee. I don't know. Did you hear that today from 12 different people? I doubt it. I don't know. That guy's an incompetent. He's a boob. Reince Priebus is a boob. So now they are calling for the head of Reince Priebus, blaming him. For what happened at Wednesday's Republican presidential debate. And by the way, what happened at uh, Wednesday's debate, it wasn't all that bad. It was fine. I mean, it was a mess. They yelled at each other. It was poorly, whatever. But uh, the questions blaming, were the yeah. questions were substantive. They were also sharp. They were, you know, I think a little over the edge as far as being pointed and trying to bring the critics questions so that the candidates could then answer them. But, you know, as far as, for example, asking Ben Carson about how his tax plan does not add up. I mean, that's that's a substantive how question. How the numbers simply don't the, add up. Yeah, the numbers of do not substantive. add up. And 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 I disagree uh, respectfully, Desi Doyen. Uh, they they were not. The questions were not over any edge. No, These but they are were, people. They were pointed, is what I'm trying to say. Okay, they of were course, pointed. they were pointed. These are people who are running for president. Exactly. They, they're running for president, and they're not going to be in these uh, friendly venues for long. If they get the nomination, they're going to, you know, have to answer far more difficult, far more pointed questions from Democrats if they get the nomination. So anyway, you think they would care about that and be prepared for that. But well, you would think they would like it. You think they would welcome it because better get it now than get it later. Nonetheless, they're busy trying to figure out who to blame. It's CNBC's fault. It's a Reince Priebus, the chair of the Republican Party's fault. Uh, anybody to blame but themselves for having a bunch of boobs, frankly, running for president. Because now they can't fight over the U.S. House. Now they're going to have to fight. Now all they have is themselves to blame as uh, the, the, they just continue to the embarrass themselves in uh, debate after debate. So now... One of the big issues coming out of the CNBC debate has to do with Jeb Bush. Now, the Bush uh, family uh, held a meeting over an emergency meeting was convened in Houston over the weekend with uh, the two former uh, presidents, Bush, Bush uh, Sr. and uh, George W. Bush meeting to uh, reassure funders that all is well in Bush land. Nothing to worry about. Jeb Bush's campaign may seem dead, but really it's not. And, of course, with that meeting, then they needed they needed Jeb to have a strong, a strong debate on uh, on Wednesday in that CNBC debate to, to prove that he was not dead yet. Well, they tried, but they didn't really get that strong performance from Jeb Bush. Instead, they got they got this, this uh, exchange between Senator Marco Rubio of Florida, the former protege of former Florida Governor Jeb Bush. Uh, they got this exchange between him and Rubio after Rubio was criticized by a Florida newspaper who had endorsed him, by the way. Keep that in mind when you hear this. The Sun Sentinel had endorsed Marco Rubio. Rubio goes on to call them, you know, more liberal media bias uh, in his answer here. 
but it started out with this uh, response from Rubio and uh, Jeb Bush, who made this uh, ill-fated attack against Rubio. I, I, I read that editorial today with a great amusement. It's actually evidence of the bias that exists in the American media well, today. But do you hate your job? Let me, let me answer your question. In 2004, John Kerry ran for president, missing close to 60 to 70 percent of his votes. I don't recall the Sun Sentinel. In fact, the Sun Sentinel endorsed him. In 2008, Barack Obama missed 60 or 70 percent of his votes, and the same newspaper endorsed him again. So this is another example of the double standard that exists in this country between the mainstream media and the conservative media. Can I, can I bring something up here? Because I'm a constituent of the senator, and I helped him, and, and I expected that he would do constituent service. But Marco, when you signed up for this, this was a six-year term, and you should be showing up to work. I mean, literally, the Senate, what is it, like a French work week? You get like three days where you have to show up? You can campaign or just resign and let someone else take the job. Well, it's interesting. Over the last few weeks, I've listened to Jeb as you've walked around the country and said that you're modeling your campaign after John McCain. Well, let me tell you, I don't remember you ever complaining about John McCain's vote record. The only reason why you're doing it now is because we're running for the same position and someone has convinced you that attacking me is going to help you. Well, I've been Here's the bottom line. I'm not, my campaign is going to be about the future. Oh, snap. Marco Rubio shut down Jeb Bush and he was never heard from again. Kind of. Pretty much for the whole debate. That was it for Jeb Bush. Uh, now, as uh, Heather, uh, as Heather Digby Parton pointed out yesterday on this program, man, Marco Rubio had just set up Jeb Bush for the best response ever, but Jeb totally missed it. Uh, and we had to sort of shorten that uh, that clip there a little bit with the Marco Rubio. But Rubio was saying, hey, you guys didn't yell at John Kerry, Senator John Kerry, when he missed all of the uh votes to run for president. You didn't uh, yell at John McCain when he missed Senator John McCain, when he missed all those votes in the Senate to uh, to run for president. Of course, uh, Kerry and uh, McCain were both the actual nominee. It wasn't necessarily during the primary process when they missed all of those votes, as Marco Rubio now is doing. Uh, but he set him up perfectly. Jeb should have said, uh, Senator... I know John McCain, I've worked with John McCain, and you, sir, are no John McCain. Had Jeb said that, he would have destroyed it, he would have killed him, his campaign would have been back, it would have been Jeb Bush back, baby. Jeb with an exclamation, back on top, baby. Not dead yet, uh, but he didn't. He kind of whimpered and uh, shuffled off into the night throughout the debate. Now, the result was uh, described... By Rachel Maddow, uh, who sort of rounded up on uh, the, the day after the debate, she rounded up all of the headlines, left, right, and center, as she described it, uh, who universally declared that Jeb Bush and the Jeb Bush campaign was dead, dead, dead. But this, this, this is unanimous. Oh, just look, Time Magazine, how Jeb Bush lost the debate. 538.com. Yeah, Jeb Bush is probably toast. The Boston Globe, the beginning of the end for Jeb. Conservative blog, Red State. Dear Jeb Bush, it's time to take your campaign out back and shoot it. The syndicated column by the founder of Red State. Jeb Bush is not the man for this presidential season. Salon.com, Jeb Bush's stunning televised implosion. BuzzFeed, Jeb Bush continues death spiral at GOP debate. The Chicago Tribune, GOP debate helps Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio, but leaves Jeb Bush in trouble. The Weekly Standard, Jeb's dead. 
The National Review, Jeb finds himself on the ropes. The Daily Caller, it's time for Jeb Bush to call it quits. New York Magazine, the instant and widely acknowledged death of Bush's hopes. Slate.com, Jeb died on that stage. The New Republic, this might have been Jeb's Waterloo, the moment when he lost everything once and for all. Bloomberg News, Bush's big bomb. It was even worse than it looked. A fundamental test, and Bush failed it badly. That's left, right, and center. That's, that's everything. I mean, in partisan politics, when it comes to the subjective perception of a candidate's success or failure, it's always a hung jury, right? I mean, there's always somebody who dissents or sees it differently. You never get across the spectrum universal agreement. But that is the rare bird that we have discovered today. Well, that's true. The media was, uh, were universally condemning Jeb Bush after the CNBC debate on Wednesday night. Uh, left, as, as Rachel Maddow says, left, right, and center. That's everything. Everyone in the, in the media declaring Bush is dead. The Bush campaign is over. Bush needs to get out. Bush needs to quit. Quit. Get out. Now, anyone who uh, knows me, anyone who knows the Bradcast, anyone who knows bradblog.com, anyone who knows what I, uh, what I have been reporting and covering and opining upon over the last decade plus knows that I am no friend of anyone named Bush. Not Poppy Bush, not George W. Bush, not Jeb Bush. No fans of uh, Jeb Bush or any Bush here. But when the media all start yelling and screaming in unison, get out, you got to get out of the race, your race is dead, you're wasting our time. And they've been doing not just a jab, but a whole bunch of other people, that uh, a bunch of other Republicans that are in the race, get out. Your polls are down. You're not making as much, your, your campaign isn't bringing as much money as it used to. Get out. I am no fan of any Bush. But again, I have to say, we are still 100 days, over 100 days, until the very first vote is cast in the 2016 race. If Jeb Bush wants to get out because he doesn't find this to be joyful anymore, then he should quit. If Jeb Bush uh, thinks he can't move ahead, uh, he can't get anywhere, that it's, it's pointless for him to continue, then get out. But to get uh, but to harangue him uh, based on his poll numbers, based on any particular performance on any particular night with any right wing uh, news outlet like CNBC, when you've got 15 other people on the stage given 30 seconds apiece. Let the voters vote. I'm no fan of Jeb Bush, but he should not be harangued out of the race. He should be voted out of the race. Let the voters vote. Let the voters decide. Not the pre-election polls, not these goofy uh, uh, debates, and certainly not the corporate media. Let the voters vote. I can't believe that I'm forced to defend Jeb Bush. But, you know, simply because he didn't come back with the wittiest comeback that he could have, uh, simply because he, you know, he's not able to get in a, a you know, a, a snappy uh, retort that is picked up by the media in a soundbite after the debate. 
That's not supposed to be the way we uh, we run our democracy here. We're supposed to vote. Don't harangue them out of the uh, out of the race. Vote them out of the race. All right, quick break, and we're back with the Green News Report and Desi Doyen right after this. Brad Friedman, this is your broadcast. <laughs> for Desi Doyen here on the Bradcast. Uh, welcome back. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Okay, Desi Doyen, uh, the Green News Report. Our special uh, coverage awaits the coverage of uh, the, the green angles, uh, the environmental angles to the uh, to Wednesday's CNBC Republican debate. Uh, but before we get there, uh, Hillary Clinton uh, has now joined the calls for the Justice Department to invest uh, investigate Exxon. This is a story we've been following now for for more months, actually, than than most in the media have yes. covering it at all. We covered very early on, as soon as we heard there was evidence that Exxon knew about global warming in, as early as 1977. That's right. I believe. That's right. And it was a big investigative report, a deep dive, a series of, by Inside Climate at InsideClimate.org. And I highly recommend looking into it. But before even their report came out, remember emails started to surface, yes. not email, but uh, internal memos started to surface from Exxon. And we said, hey, this sounds a lot like what Big Tobacco did when they obscured their own signs. Right, back in July. They yeah, should there be a case? So uh, so we've been following this for a while. We had Congressman Ted Lieu on a week or two ago, uh, the day that he wrote a letter to the Justice Department asking for an investigation. Uh, Senator Bernie Sanders and Martin O'Malley have now asked for an investigation of Exxon and a possible uh, RICO case against Exxon. Uh, Hillary Clinton was finally asked about it uh, on uh, on Thursday, and she said, uh, yes, yes, they should be investigated. There's a lot of evidence that they misled people. So there you go. All three of the major uh, Democratic candidates are now on board for investigating Exxon We'll see if the Department of Justice gets on board as well, because it would be in, in their purview to do that, to it, be well, the ones that investigate. Well, it would be in their purview to investigate and to potentially bring a, a RICO case uh, for lying to the American public about what they knew and when they knew it about climate change and about global warming and spending millions of dollars to essentially defraud the American people. Right, because as Senator Sheldon Whitehouse has said, the Democrat from Rhode Island, there is no First Amendment right to commit corporate fraud. Mm -hmm. And if they're committing fraud, then they need to be investigated. Yeah, White House, uh, uh, Senator White House also uh, sent a letter to ExxonMobil on Thursday asking whether, uh, whether it made donations to a financial clearinghouse that uh, were funneled to climate, where donations were funneled to climate denial groups even after the company said claimed anyway that they had stopped making direct contributions to those groups so they might have been continuing to fund those climate change denial groups plenty to investigate there uh so i suspect we will continue to cover exactly that in the weeks ahead all right we better get to it uh are you ready desi doyne oh yes our latest green news report that's the way we deal with with global warming climate change or any of those problems not through government invention not through government taxes government can't wave a magic wand and make that happen let the private sector do this republicans pan government action on climate and energy at their third presidential debate special gnr coverage straight ahead from brad Bl 
Bloomberg.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Governor Pataki, you've indicated you believe climate change is real and caused at least in part by human activity. He's a witch. Burn him. This is your Green News Report. Witch! Okay, Desi Doyen, is it just my imagination or are we actually seeing more conversation about climate change coming out in Republican presidential debates and not to scoff at it, but to actually discuss what to do about it. Well, it's a start. They don't really talk much about policy, but at least they're not as aggressively denying the science. Former New York Governor George Pataki came out and actually excoriated the party, said that, yes, climate change is real. He's mad at Republicans for for not understanding that. Uh that's a start. Have I set the bar too low? <laughs> I believe you have, but hey, that's kind of where we are with today's Republican Party. Plus, he was in the undercard kitty table debate, so no one really saw that. So there's that. Yes. At the third Republican presidential primary debate, both the main and the junior debate in Boulder, Colorado on Wednesday, debate host CNBC said they were going to focus on economic issues. And although one of the fastest growing sectors of the economy is clean energy, CNBC only briefly mentioned energy and climate change. In the so-called undercard debate, as you mentioned, former New York Governor George Pataki broke ranks and criticized the anti-science stance of most of his party. One of the things that troubles me about the Republican Party is too often we question science that everyone accepts. I want Republicans to embrace innovation and technology. We could have far more clean energy. We can have next generation nuclear, uh, thorium reactors that have no risk of meltdown. We can have solar panels on every home. R&D credits, let the private sector do this. We could export those technologies to places like China. Now, Pataki was the only one to discuss really any kind of policy or expansion of clean energy. He echoes the policies of Democratic presidential candidates about accelerating clean energy investment and exporting that technology to the rest of the world. But he didn't have any real solutions for actually reducing emissions that cause climate change. Yeah, there was some question about what will you do about climate change? And then they go on to talk about how we have to have as much energy as possible and never actually talk about reducing carbon emissions. New Jersey Governor Chris Christie in the main debate offered a similar take. We've laid out a national energy plan that says that we should invest in all types of energy. We need to make sure that we do everything we can across all kinds of energy, natural gas, oil, absolutely. But also where it's affordable, solar, wind in Iowa has become very affordable and it makes sense. That's the way we deal with with global warming, climate change or any of those problems, not through government invention, not through government taxes. Yes, well, wind in Iowa has become very affordable thanks to government tax credits. Not sure how more development of oil helps uh, climate change. That's right, it doesn't. Now, notice that Pataki and the other candidates advocate waiting for the private sector to get around to this. But the fact is that government research funding has been the main driver behind pretty much all tech innovation from the internet to cell phones to fracking. To oil and coal production for decades. Exactly. And although he criticized the role of government policy, Governor Chris Christie took credit for New Jersey ranking third in the nation for solar installations. That's correct, but it wasn't a private sector miracle. That was thanks to government policies put in place by previous administrations. Exactly. He actually pulled out of a regional greenhouse gas initiative, so uh, it's fun that he's taking credit for what he didn't do. And also note that for some reason, the other candidates 
kept completely silent and did not jump in to add their two cents for this. Go figure. No discussion of the U.N. climate talks either, which the next president will have to deal with. So we got basically the same Republican Party talking points, more oil and gas drilling, and no matter what their position on climate change, all of the Republican presidential candidates all agree we should make sure the government does nothing on climate. And although this CNBC debate was focused on economic issues, another thing CNBC did not cover was that this week more major corporations have signed on to climate action. The White House announced on Monday that 81 more big corporations have signed on to support President Obama's clean power plan. So corporations, the private sector, is coming on board with what Barack Obama is doing this debate on on CNBC was supposedly about your money, your economy. Nobody talked about that. No questions were raised about that. The economy goes on. The fight against climate change goes on as if it never occurred in the Republican Party and even on CNBC. Yep. For much more on our coverage today and the stories we couldn't get to, thanks to the Republicans and their debate and CNBC, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. There you have it. What a week. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to our booking goddess, Cynthia Cohn, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program... Or any other, you can stop by bradblog.com, download it in full, for free, anytime. You can also do the same thing over at iTunes, where we hope you will give us good review, make it a little easier for other folks to find the Bradcast as well. When you go to iTunes, you may have to search for Brad Friedman instead of Bradcast, because when you go uh, search for Bradcast, they give you everything. They think you mean broadcast, and they give you everything. So just go search for, uh, for Brad Friedman over there. Find us uh, also and follow us on uh, Twitter and Facebook at the Brad Blog, and drop me email anytime, good, bad, or otherwise. Uh, you can reach me and Desi. Send her some hate mail for a change. Hey, yeah. At uh, at Bradcast at bradblog.com. All right, uh, that's it. Thanks again for all. We will see you soon. Uh, until then, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs> <laughs>